0: When I had my first year of college, my little cousins were so sad because I was never home. And I'm like, look, baby, I love you so much. Like, big cousin can't come home right now, but I'm going to make a point to come see you before I start my next semester. And so I have her. She's around six years old at the time and her three or four-year-old little sister in my backseat. And I'm like, all right, come on. I drove all the way down here just to take you to the park for the day. And she basically refused to get out of the car. And I was like, oh, maybe, like, why don't you want to go to the park? Why don't you want to get out the car? And she's just like, I don't want to get too dark. That interaction with her was everything I needed to know that this, my work was meaningful and that I was helping somebody.
1: Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast for Mizuma, where we share motivational stories from small business owners. I'm Greg. And I'm Ben. And we're your hosts for this episode. Today, we're talking with Naomi, the creator of Revolutionary Hearts Industries, a company that empowers BIPOC children to learn more about their cultures and histories through art. Naomi, welcome. Hi, thank you so
0: much. It's such a pleasure to be on the show with you.
2: Naomi, thank you for joining us. We're glad to meet you and get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you grew up and maybe what pointed you towards this business venture?
0: I am originally from a little town called Thibodeau, Louisiana. It's about hour southeast of New Orleans. I went to college at Xavier University of Louisiana, where I got my degree in history, worked a little bit in communications and in political science. And so as far as like entrepreneurship and kind of like what got me into my business is I was basically raised by entrepreneurs or people with very entrepreneurial mindsets. My dad was basically a real estate investor my whole life. If I got sick, if I had an art show, if I had a basketball game, my dad was able to drop whatever he was doing and come help me or come work with me. And that was just such a beautiful introduction into entrepreneurship and the freedom and work life balance that it really afforded you. And then also, I can say that I am very good at renovating houses because I've been doing it since I was eight years old. So fun fact, (laughs) if you ever need sheetrock work, I'm really good at commercial tiling. That's usually my specialty. But I learned all these really cool practical skills as a young age because I always knew the hands-on approach to building something or building a legacy because I helped my dad with his business. And then going a little bit more into why I started doing the work that I do is... I published my first book at 17. I started a publishing company my freshman year of college at 18, and then I published my first coloring book at 19. And the pathway that I started publishing my first coloring book is when I had my first year of college. My little cousins were so sad because I was never home. Keep in mind, I was only an hour away. It wasn't like I'm like went (laughs) across the country. (laughs) And I'm like, look, baby, I love you so much. Like, big cousin can't come home right now, but I'm gonna make a point to come see you before I start my next semester. And so I have her. She's around six years old at the time and her three or four year old little sister in my backseat. And I'm like, all right, come on. I drove all the way down here just to take you to the park for the day. And she basically refused to get out the car. And, you know, you know, we're working on being gentle parents and, you know, being like good motivation, trying to understand how kids feel. And I was like, oh, baby, like, why don't you want to go to the park? Why don't you want to get out the car? And she's just like, I don't want to get too dark. And it was just all of these like waves of feelings that just hit me all at one time because I remember like growing up in the deep, dirty South and like coming home from summer camp and people always commenting about how dark my skin got and like made me not want to go outside for the rest of the summer. So like I understood her feelings so much, but it just really hurt something so deeply inside of me because she was six. And so when she didn't get out the car I just poured as much love as I could into her and like no you're beautiful and I love the way you look like your skin is perfect like da 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 da. because I'm also know that she's setting an example for her little sister in the back seat and like how else can I show her and show them both that they deserve to be poured love into and so what most people don't know is I was designing a coloring book before that and I stopped doing it because I'm like it's a coloring book I'm in the middle of college. No one cares what I'm doing. Like, I don't need to finish this coloring book. After that interaction with her, I was like, no, like, I need to do this. This means something. This is all the affirmation I need to know that this needs to happen. That interaction with her was everything I needed to know that this, my work was meaningful and that I was helping somebody.
2: Wow. That is, yeah, that's quite an experience to fuel this business. I mean, you talked about your ability to work with your dad and how many talents you gained, but you also learned hard work. And then this experience with your cousin and the personal feelings you've had, you found a passion and a higher purpose of some good you could do. And man, you bring those two elements together, work and the vision, and you'll be unstoppable.
1: There's a couple of things that I picked up that I want to go back and visit just make sure I heard these right. So you published your first book at 17 or 18? Is that what it was?
0: Yes, I published my first book at 17 called The Revolutionary Heart, and it was actually an accumulation of poetry that I had wrote from the ages of 13 to 17. It was an accumulation of poetry that I started after the Trayvon Martin shooting. And so the way I kind of like to phrase it is, my first book, Revolutionary Hearts, was the accumulation of me just feeling really powerless, like I could do nothing to change the world. But when I started making coloring books, I realized that this was my something. I can't fix colorism. I can't fix racism. I can't fix all these structural oppressions. But the very least that I can do is show a black and brown child that they are powerful and that they are deserving and that they are smart and that they are valuable. So it's like my company or my first book started off as me not knowing what to do. And then my coloring books became the one thing that I knew I could do well to empower others.
1: That's great. Wow. So I have to ask, why coloring books?
0: I don't know. Honestly, (laughs) I have no idea. When I was in high school, they used to call me the human copy machine because I can look at an image and proportionally size it, like freehand it. So fun fact, my first book, I did not own an iPad. I'm completely self-taught. I taught myself digital design, graphic design, social media marketing, basic website design. I taught myself everything there is to know about publishing from scratch. If y'all want to know about the failures that have come from that, i got stories.
1: Very cool. Well, and it seems like such a great way to connect with the audience that you're going after, right? The kids.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask a little bit more about that. What elements are you putting into your coloring books? What kinds of pictures or images are you putting in front of the kids that help develop that awareness in them?
0: When I first started doing coloring books, I was doing affirmational books. And then I kind of realized that there was this really untapped market, especially due to COVID, towards creating immersive, creative, educational tools that can hold attention and teach at the same time. I wanted little Black girls and boys to know that they were a part of one of the biggest sisterhood and brotherhoods in the world. I didn't want kids to look up to characters. I wanted them to look up to people. So a lot of people in this book, I actually did not know about. All the names of this book are curated from my Twitter following when I was in college. And I was like, who are lesser known Black historical figures do you think need to be taught? And then I put like,
2: 50 or 60 of those names together into this book. Wow. That's awesome. You're really onto something there as far as the educational aspect of that book. They can be coloring that and be thinking about the message that's on that other page, and that can be sinking in to their soul. There's something really important about that.
1: If I understand correctly, your books are available online, right?
0: Yes, yeah, so we have our books available currently on our website for individual sales, but we also do offer wholesaling and digital licensing for schools and organizations.
1: What's the ultimate goal with what you're doing?
0: My company was supposed to be a publishing company, but we were a clothing line because I was in college. So, what else are you going to do but have a clothing line? Yeah. Then we did publishing, and we only recently just started focusing specifically on our coloring books. And even more recently, probably in the last like six months, started focusing on doing B2B partnerships. So we've been trying to do a lot of partnerships with like nationally recognized youth organizations, charter school programs, museums, libraries to get our books into their regular school programming. So social and emotional learning, but even integrated specifically into like their classroom tools. Like our financial literacy coloring book is going to be used in some classrooms uh, across the country soon.
1: Wow, great. What did it take to get that up and going? It's one thing to have a thought. Some people have impressions or feelings and they get really motivated. And then when it comes to putting that into action, it seems to just die out. You seem to have the ability to push through it and make it to come to reality. Where do you think that comes from?
0: My biggest flex in life is the fact that I have always had people who have supported me whether or not they thought what I was doing was insane or not, they would never would tell me that, but they would like give me patterns or they would ask me harder questions. And they'd be like, okay, if you're going to do this, how? And if you're going to do this, what are the structures you need behind it? Or who do you need help with? Or like, how are you going to actually execute it? So I think for me, when it comes to like what keeps me motivated is the fact that I have had such a beautiful village of people from like my birth in typical Louisiana to New Orleans and even like just moving to Baltimore who have just been like so hammered down behind me. It's like as soon as people meet me, they're like, I don't know what you're gonna do, but whatever you say you're gonna do, you're gonna do it times 10 and have all the faith in the world behind you in that. And so like for me, it's always about being ready for whatever I say that I want in life and then building my discipline, building my creativity and building my village around me that is gonna be prepared to offer me and push me towards that next step.
1: So, Naomi, what you've accomplished here is no small feat. Could you tell us a little bit more about actually getting this up and going? What were some of the challenges, some of the hurdles in order to create your own publishing company?
0: When I started my company, I basically walked into my university, uh, Daniel University, Louisiana. There was an entrepreneurship department. And I was like, help me get a business license. I don't know what I'm doing yet, (laughs) but I know I'm going to do something. And it was just such an amazing supportive environment to not only show me the foundations of what I need to be a good business owner, but also gave me a safe space where I could fail in peace and in private, where somebody else would like teach me up. And so fun fact about the failures of that. Like I said, I had zero graphic design experience when I started creating coloring books. I deleted my first coloring book twice. When I tell you after the second time, I was really like looking at the sky and I was like, God, you obviously don't want me to do this. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? But I think learning like the ins and outs of like publishing was probably the hardest part. I only recently started using Procreate, which if you are a basic graphic designer, you know, like that is the like one of the best simple tools to use. So all of my other coloring books, you can physically see the difference when I switch. And I decided to keep those like less updated versions of my books still in circulation because I believe that it shows that even though I didn't know how to do it, I know that it needed to get done. So I did it by any means necessary, even if I didn't have all the answers.
2: I like the way you just put that. It's a lot better than the fake it till you make it slogan. You don't have to know what you're doing. You just have to know you're supposed to do it. I like that. That's, that's great. Naomi, you mentioned some of your views on failure. Do you have any advice about how to recover from failure quickly?
0: Yes. And this actually is a quick story. So I applied for this pitch competition my last year of college. And it was for a mental health app that I was designing. And originally, when I had published the application, it was like three or four weeks later before we actually got the results as to whether or not we moved on to the next phase. And in that time, I had completely revamped my business model. I improved my executive summary, but like, I did significant amounts of research. When I got my denial email, what I did was I emailed the person who obviously sent me my denial and I said, I know it might be too late, but can you tell me what I can do better? Or can you tell me like what you think of this? Or is this more in line with what you guys would have wanted from me? And they were so impressed with my sheer amount of growth that they actually let me into the competition and I ended up winning second place. Oh wow! <laughs> that is one of my favorite stories when it comes to whether or not you're going to accept failure. I recognize that I failed at my first application process, but that doesn't mean that my business was a failure. It means that I didn't know how to execute it properly because it was the same business. It was almost all the same stuff, except I talked about it different and I did a lot more research. How I recover from failure is by asking questions as to why I didn't move to the next level or asking questions as to how I could have done better. I don't take failure as an attack on me. I take it as I could have done better. I'm going to keep going for it.
2: That's a great story. What advice would you have for others who are thinking about starting a business?
0: I published the first book when I was 17. I started a company when I was 18. And it's not until like I'm 22, 23 that I've been able to see the fruition of my work. And I think one of the things that I feel like some people believe when it comes to entrepreneurship, especially when we exist in such like tech-enabled startup cultures and stuff like that, is we think like we're supposed to have it on that beat. We're supposed to be able to launch into a million dollars in sales right off the bat. And for the reality of most small business owners, that's not what it's going to be. Like it takes work, it takes grinding, it takes failing, it takes ordering too much inventory for something and that being your least sold item. It takes being prepared to pivot. And if you as a person aren't willing to take an inner look at yourself and being like, how can I make myself better? So that way I can improve my company or I can improve what I'm doing. You're not ready to run a company. When it comes to like introducing my products into schools or like organizations and stuff like that, like I help focus groups. And I was like, how can I make this better for y'all? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Because I don't know. And I think that that's been such a humbling experience for me as an entrepreneur and also me as a gen Zer, even though I really hate claiming that, um, <laughs> that like I have to know everything that I don't know, and the seeds that you plant years ago are going to build for the fruitions and the like orchids that you can eat from now. And I think that that is something that some people are afraid of. They're scared to take the initiative to plant those seeds because they always think about what if. And I think for me, I never think about what if this doesn't work? What if this fails? What if I never make profit from that? Like that never crosses my mind because at the very least, I have 10 self-published books. I have helped hundreds of kids across the country love and appreciate themselves. And we're only growing bigger from that. So I was like, my company tanks. I still have 10 published books. So like... (laughs) It's a win-win situation, and for me, it's I'll trip, but I'm never going to fail because the only failure is not getting back up after
2: that. Yeah, it makes me think: how many kids do you have to improve their self-image or improve their lives to make it worth it? One, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, one is all it takes to make a positive impact. So you've already accomplished so much, and to think if it can be two, or three, or five, or a hundred, you know, it's a wonderful accomplishment that you've already achieved. And I love how you also brought the business journey back to a personal journey and how so much of business success is about individual development and growth. And if you're not willing to change, if you're not willing to learn, be humble and curious and willing to stretch yourself, then you're probably not ready to start a business. It's great advice.
0: Thank you.
1: You talked about receiving feedback from you know your customers and you know a lot of the natural inclination is to get defensive and to really dig our heels in about what we've done. How, how have you been able to get yourself prepared for that and then to implement it?
0: One of the things that I've learned the most about being a founder is sitting back and being humble because no one asks questions about something that they don't care about or no one challenges something that they don't care about. And I feel like for me, Because I know what I'm doing is important. I know that it matters. I've gotten 100% product market fit from that focus group that I ran across like board of educations, based off of curriculum builders, based off of principals and teachers and therapists, all of them across the board, all agreed that what I was doing was important because they care about what I'm doing so much. They care enough to challenge me and empower me to challenge myself. So I take it as a form of empowerment and I take it as a form of encouragement that they want me to succeed.
1: And that's why they're asking me harder questions. Nice. It uh, puts you in a good place to be able to actually make progress, right? Uh, So that that mindset is super important. So thank you for sharing it.
2: Yeah, profound, profound principle there. All right, Naomi. So we like to close our podcast sessions with our final question and kind of ask you to summarize it all up into what is it that keeps you going in your business every day?
0: Y'all are going to dislike me because it's another story, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll try to make this one quick. So the most memorable customer interaction I've ever had in my life was my Black Men Art of Future Coloring Book, which is the affirmation coloring book made specifically for Black boys. So when I first started making coloring books, I wrote handwritten notes in every single book and I wrote the kid's name and like whatever came to me that day or was inspiring me that day, that's what I wrote in it. And so this little boy's name was Sol. And I'm like, oh, I know basically Spanish. I know what that means. I was like, I think it means son. The little boy was Afro-Latino. And so I basically wrote this entire message about how illuminative he is, like how amazing he is, how much he's going to pour light into the world, da 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 And then a couple of days later, after I mailed the book out, I got a two-page email from the boy's father. And so the boy's father was telling me how they were living in a predominantly white city, And his son was starting to understand that he did not look like the people around him. I spoke about in the book how I know I can't relate to you as a black man, but I love you all the same as a black woman. And he was like he resonated with that so much because he can't understand the full struggles of his son. But he loves him so much through that. And so long story short, this ended up with me going on a Zoom call with a little boy. And he showed me his Nerf guns. He showed me his stop animation. He basically took the phone and was like running around with me in the room. (laughs) And it was just so amazing to me because it's just like this kid from like Oregon and I'm all the way in Louisiana. I was able to connect with and touch in such an incredible way. And I feel like any time I've ever had any doubts, any times I've been met with failure or adversity when it comes to my work, I have interactions like that. And I feel like that's what really makes me really inspired is the fact that all of these kids that I've touched from thousands of miles away love themselves a little bit more because of something I randomly decided to do because of one interaction with my little cousin like four years ago.
1: Oh, you did a great job of summarizing that. <laughs> yeah, that was that's
2: great. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful.
1: Well, thanks so much for being on and we love what you're doing and wish you all the best.
0: No, thank you guys so much for having me. I love the opportunity to tell my story.
1: Thank you listeners for joining us today. If you or someone you know would like to share your small business story, please go to mizumausa.com slash keep going and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. And if you are looking for tax advice for your small business, be sure to join our Keep Going Facebook group and check out our website at mizumausa.com.